Welcome to PDBC's Tax Reform Readiness Podcast Series. This podcast features an insightful discussion on U.S. tax reform from an international perspective, including how global companies are responding to the new U.S. law and what it means for their business. The speakers are Michael Burak, PDBC's U.S. inbound leader, and international tax services partner, Shintaro Yamaguchi. Take a listen. So, Mike, this is a historic time for U.S. tax, and we're seeing the most significant changes to the U.S. tax rules in the past 30 years. We're seeing a reduction in the corporate tax rates from 35% to 21%, a fundamental shift in the international tax rules, moving from a worldwide tax system to a territorial tax regime, limitations on the the use of NOLs, uh, restrictions on the deductibility of interest expense, uh, new rules that could potentially impact companies that are making intercompany payments to foreign affiliates, and an expansion of the CFC regime. So I think it's fair to say that all these changes taken together fundamentally reshape the competitive landscape of the U.S. market. So how are businesses responding to the U.S. tax reform? So um, there is no doubt, I like the way that you put it, it is comprehensive tax reform. There's no doubt about it. And when I think of the questions you pose, they're really focused upon How is this corporate tax landscape changing? What do our clients think about it? Let's go back in time a bit. So let's think a little bit about where we've been. This is a very important time for us because there's been a concern that after we led in 1986 with the 86 Tax Act, at that time we ended up going to the lowest corporate rate that was occurring on a global basis. Since that point in time, we've moved up to being the highest corporate tax rate in the OECD. So there was a view from a U.S. multinational point of view that we were losing our competitive edge. And it was going to be much more different in these times to attract investment and create the jobs that we needed. So the multinational CEOs have been communicating with the president, with Congress, over the last four or five years about the criticality of this type of reform. I'd say that they're very pleased that we're able to achieve that. What has also happened, though, is is after that appreciation and need to achieve reform, there was then some very significant relief as of Christmas time when we'd learned that we had a bill that had become law. But let's also talk about the fact that as we achieve that goal, we're now in 2018 and companies are looking at what it means for them and their businesses. So I'd say reality has also sunk in and at the same time, there's an appreciation that I think you can say we're on a more competitive basis with other countries on a global perspective But how do you now look at these laws and think about the way it impacts your business and the way that you behave on a global basis? What are companies doing to address or analyze the impact of tax reform? If I think about the way companies are responding right now, the first step is, I'd say, digesting and understanding the law, understanding what they need to do to be compliant with the law, the statutes, They're thinking then, how do I make sure that I take this into account from a tax accounting point of view? How will I reflect this from a tax compliance perspective later in the year? After they've digested and modeled and thought about what the tax impacts are, 
there's another very important step, and that is considering the way that these new changes impact their business. So you may say, well, impacting business, that can be quite broad. What does that mean? So let's use an example. Let's think about the interest expense limitations that might apply. As companies consider whether the interest expense that's associated with debt may be deductible, if that has a substantial impact, companies are beginning to think, what would that do from a treasury perspective? Do I need to be thinking about the benefit and the uses of debt? In addition, when you think about the territoriality that we've moved into, there is a view that when you have U.S. multinationals and they have that ability now to potentially bring cash back in a territorial regime where they receive a dividends received deduction, that it's going to make funds for U.S. multinationals a bit more mobile around the world without worrying about that very substantial 35% corporate tax barrier. So again, when we think of how they consider business impacts, that treasury policy and approach is going to be important. Let's then move on to something like deal activity. So if we think again about that territoriality element and the fact that U.S.-based companies or other companies that have cash under U.S. operations, that cash now will be free to be able to be invested as those companies see fit, again, without a substantial new tax charge. Now, we do know that you're going to have this deemed repatriation and the toll charge, but that will be happening for all the companies that have these subsidiaries under the U.S., and that, in effect, will free up those companies to think about how do they utilize those offshore earnings. There are estimates of those offshore earnings being as large as something like $2.7 trillion. Now, if you think about that $2.7 trillion, that isn't just cash. That's cash, and that's also invested in brick and mortar and business. But what will happen is, is because that cash is now viewed as shareholders as potentially more eligible to be invested in the business, what will companies do? Will they be investing in U.S. operations, in U.S. plants, in U.S. jobs? Will they be utilizing those funds to potentially look at other deal opportunities? And as you look at that and you think about business impacts, if you consider that large amount of offshore funds that's now available to be spent, there is a consideration about how that shapes the models that you have for making deals and also the competition for deals, knowing that there could be many companies that are trying to think about how they utilize their offshore cash. Lastly, when we think about the business impacts and you look at the strong incentive for conducting business in the U.S., whether it's that low corporate rate, whether it's the continuity of the R&D credit, whether it's around the fact that as you have um, asset investments, your CapEx will be currently deductible for five years to the extent of 100%, how are we going to see potential changes in supply chains? Will there be additional consideration of, again, investing funds in the U.S. and then sourcing more through the U.S.? Where do you see the U.S. economy going, say, in the next three to five years? Well, I think the hope is that we're going to see some pretty strong economic expansion. Um, as we think about economic growth, the U.S. economy, let's look at the signs over the last year or so. We are seeing some continuing um, decrease in unemployment. 
there have been a large number of jobs that have already been grown over this current administration. We look at where we are with respect to some of the GDP numbers that are coming out, and we're seeing some signs of growth there as well. When you look at the energy prices, the energy prices are beginning to creep up a bit. I think there is a view that over the next three to five years, people are very hopeful this will create some of the growth that they hope for. I'm not an economist, so I cannot prognosticate as accurately as others, but let's just look at it simplistically. We've driven down the cost of tax, potentially some of the costs of capital. We're enabling businesses to get a greater after-tax return when you think about this tax reform. And most people believe that that should be something that's beneficial for the economy. There are many discussions from the left and the right as to what that will actually mean. Uh, when we think and we talk to some of the economists, they often say economic growth in the U.S. is somewhere peaking of around 3 3.2% over the, the three to five-year mark. I think we're going to have to wait and see where that goes, because over the last few months, when you consider the stock market as well, and I'd say the great optimism, I think there's a hope that we can actually surpass that level of economic growth. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like further information about this topic, please email the participants whose email addresses can be found in the description of this episode.